What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here chatting with someone with much cooler stories to tell. Today's guest is an all-timer. I was so stoked when she answered my email to come on this show. I've been a big fan of hers for quite some time. I'm talking about the father of the fruit gang. Lydia Keating is joining today's show. What I really found out about Lydia is we have a lot of similarities, both being D1 athletes. She obviously went to a bigger program in a D1 crew uh, setting at Yale uh, than than Providence College. But we both kind of had a very similar like post-athlete life in terms of never wanting to work out again, but obviously coming to the realization that this isn't who I am. Like mentally and physically, I'm not happy with not working out. And this isn't the Jared or the Lydia that people know and people have seen before. So we both got into running. And sure enough, uh, Lydia has gotten a big success from her TikToks and her running. Um, but I'm so excited to have her on the show, share a little bit more about her life beyond um, the TikToks that we see, a little bit more about her time out in L.A., Maybe you get some tidbits as to why she won't be returning to LA. So a really fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, here is the one and only Lydia Keating. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. All right, everyone, on today's episode, we have an unbelievable guest. This incredible woman needs no introduction, but we're going to give it to her anyway. You know her as the leader of the Fruit Gang with over 1.5 million social media followers. This ex-D1 rower turned content creator and comedian is here to share her story. I'm, of course, talking about Lydia Keating. Lydia, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm doing well. I'm so flattered by that intro. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we try to do our best. We try to do our best. I want to say first, welcome back to the East Coast. How was your trip back to L.A.? Um, my trip back to LA was interesting. So it was like very much a business trip. Mm-hmm. I was like there to do some photo shoots. Yeah. Um, but that's mostly just because I like know some very talented, I have friends who are very talented photographers in LA. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know when you're living in like a rural new England, I, I'm sure there are like plenty of talented photographers here, but I just, I lived in LA th- for three years. So I knew right. a lot of them. But I also was there to move out of my storage unit and ship my car. And um, I will say that being back in LA did not make me miss LA. I was like, I am happy I don't live here anymore. Yeah. 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 You're from California. So how do you feel about like the West Coast? So we we talked a little bit about it off camera. Like Mm -hmm. I... When I went, when I was looking at schools to swim at, my dad said, you can't go to a school where you can come home and do laundry on the weekends to my twin oh, brother and I. And the other rule was we couldn't go to the same school. That was the easier rule to follow. The yeah. finding a school out of state was difficult in the sense that like, there's a lot of swim teams and it was like, okay, well, where do I want to get in a good education too? And like, to me, New England just made the most sense. And like, I don't know, I loved the Providence mascot. And then I went and oh, visited what? the school. <laughs> What is the mascot? The Friars. Oh, come on. You you can't say you do. Oh, I'm now I'm offended. You're I'm, you yeah, I'm a couple sorry. followers after this. No I'm, <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. But yeah, like uh it was really like the education and the the like the being a D1 athlete that drew me into Providence. Mm-hmm. The the do I miss California? Yeah. Having lived now in Boston for two and a half, three years, mm-hmm. no. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that like pretty, pretty, like pretty cut and dry. Like I love my hometown. Don't get me wrong. I love growing up in Orange County. I was very blessed to have the life that I live. Yeah. I just feel like I am now be able, like can now create something. Not that I'm like trying to be a whole new person, but it's like yeah. create something beyond the Orange County bubble. Cause I know you, I know you like did a lot of stuff in Orange County too. Like mm-hmm. that. And even LA sometimes like it can get very like bubble oriented. And I feel like Boston it's not the New York cities of the world, but it still has like that, like you can do whatever you want to do out here. Oh, I love that. That makes me really excited for Boston. I think like I, I well, okay. So I think it, this, what you just said has a lot to do with like where you identify as home and like mm-hmm. where you have like an established identity. So I'm from, I'm actually from the Boston area. I went to yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, so for me, like moving to California kind of felt like the way you just described Boston, like starting anew and mm-hmm. like, you can be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you had this experience as a college athlete, but like for me, rowing was like all consuming and it was the only yes. thing I did. So yeah. moving to California, specifically moving to LA, which is like known to be this place where a lot of creative people go and like mm-hmm. people pursuing filmmaking and music and all these exciting things, like it felt like an opportunity for me to be like basically a version of myself I had never been before, but always felt yeah. like it was growing. Yeah. Um, I felt the but- same way. I was like, I'm just like, when I was at Providence, like I'm just the kid from California. Mm. But then I moved to Boston. I was like, I'm the kid that went to Providence. And like, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I'm still the kid from California, but like, that wasn't the only thing that defined me now, I feel like. Yeah. Well, I bet when you were, I bet you were very cool for being like the kid from California. There Was there a lot of kids from California in Providence? N- not a lot. It was mostly the athletes that were from California. Like some of the hockey players were from California. A lot of the like volleyball players are from California. I was the, me and my best friend from high school uh-huh. went to Providence together. Not, so not by choice. But like, yeah. we just like ended up, we both were like, I, I'm like, I was like, I'm going to sign here. And then she was like, I'm also going to sign there. And I was like, there we go. Like, at least yeah. we'll know definitely one person and obviously the team, but like, it was just so nice to have like that little tiny piece of home with me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there, like being from California and Providence at Providence college, especially, cause mm-hmm. I don't want to say in Providence. I want to say at PC mm-hmm. had its stigmas mm-hmm. cause like PC love it to death like it's just like everyone's from new england and so like when you're the kid from california and you wear chubbies to class on the first day of school you get a certain stigma that isn't necessarily who you are and Mm -hmm. and it was like eye-opening a lot of people were like who's this kid that wears these colorful shorts or who's this kid Uh that you know so it was that was like different it took me all of like two weeks to get over that and then be like this is me and if you don't want it like you don't have to be my friend but like that was definitely like where it all kind of started Okay, because I was going to ask, did you conform or did you stay true to your California style? <laughs> that I'm going to cut that clip. We're going to post that. And I'm going to ask the, uh, like my friends, because mm-hmm. to me, I think I stayed true to myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't stay like <laughs> the 405 to the five, like hang loose, yeah. bro. But I was like, <laughs> but I like very much still stay like I dress the same way as I always would maybe some people will say like, I still got Vineyard Vine shirts, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You kind of, sometimes you have to do the little things. You have to be somewhat part, like a participant in society in New England. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, but Vineyard Vines is, wait, is that a thing in Orange County? Cause I no. think of that as, oh, okay. No, 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 no that's what I'm saying. So like when I went yeah, to Providence, I was like, oh crap, I don't have Vineyard Vines. Oh crap. I don't have um, like, what's another thing. I don't know. But yeah, you like, I wasn't, I, I was not preppy enough for Providence. When I oh, okay. So you yeah. dropped 
five hundred dollars and got three polos from Vineyard Vines. Two, two, so, two actually. Yeah. It was the- <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, it's so expensive. I feel like Vineyard Vines is actually like they obviously do sell to women, but I feel like it's very much a, like a male trend to wear Vineyard Vines. I don't even know if it's still trendy. I mean, I like think, I dyed I my hair pink, so I am. <laughs> I'm I went not with the with pink the hat for you just so we can like coordinate today. I love our heads are matching and that They're makes perfect. you so welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I think Vineyard Vines kind of stops at like college. Like yeah. I, I kind of like stopped wearing the Vineyard Vines shirts maybe that first year after graduation, you mm. know, but mm. I don't know. It's a good shirt to wear at the beach. You know, like the nice yeah. soft t-shirt to wear at the beach. Yeah. We love a soft t-shirt at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, so when did you graduate? 2019. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then you moved right to Boston. Or yeah. Right? I lived in Woburn for a year. <laughs> we'll call it the greater Boston area. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I, then I moved to Somerville. So like, I, I feel like I'm very much a transplant, but I'm still a, a Bostonian now. Okay. Very cool. I love Somerville. Um, and I'm moving to Cambridge, so we'll be very close. We'll be, cl- we'll do we some can be real we fast. Yeah, we're yeah. yeah we're gonna do some runs. I, yes, I would love that. <laughs> I have some routes for you if you like. I feel like you're very familiar with this area, though. But if you don't, yeah, then... it will be interesting living there as an adult because yeah. the last time I lived there was as a high schooler, and right. I feel right. like I was obviously because I rode in college. So in high school, I was like it was my whole thing, and so I spent a lot of time on the Charles River. On the Esplanade. So yeah, I'm very familiar with like basically everything that borders the Charles and I like spent a lot of time in Harvard Square because like I thought that was like a cool place to hang as a high schooler oh, but, yeah. like, now, now it's like oh my gosh there's a lot of homeless people here yeah it's like I'm right back in LA when I'm yeah. there <laughs> yep. um but yeah I think I'll probably have like a fully different experience of Boston being there as like a 26 year old mm. than I did when I was whatever 17 and I feel like just having followed you you're very much like you like the green I don't want to call it the green pastures but the like the greenery when you're running like I yeah. like there's nothing better than the view of Boston on the Charles when you're running but mm-hmm. I feel like now that you've been doing a lot of running in Rhode Island like you like the beach the green and stuff like that I think you're right and I think I was confronted with this truth I so one like Okay, I, I would say, you know how I was like, my trip to LA made me not miss LA. The, my most eye-opening experience was where I was like, I do not want to live here anymore. Or I'm mm-hmm. like, and I, at that point, I didn't have a choice. I'm not going to be living there. Right, but right. I was like, I'm not going to be sad that I'm not living here was when I went on a run and I actually made a TikTok about it. It's like one of my Santa favorite Monica. routes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's like my, that was like my bread and butter. Like it, it just was like, I have such fond memories of running from that, that little um, loop. Yeah. For basically like the whole time I lived in LA, I had a friend I'd do it with and I like recalled it. So as like one of the more beautiful runs I'd ever done. Mm -hmm. And then I did it this past, like last week. And I was like, this is like every 10 steps. I'm like getting a waft of like vomit or pee or shit. Like it smelled bad the whole time. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I'm kind of soft when it comes to the heat, but like, it was, it was like the sun, it was really hot. And like yeah. the sun was like, it was dry more than, and more than, yeah. But I was like, do you like the dry heat more than the, or less than the, like the humid, like Boston, like you feel like you're in a like steam room type. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think I would, I mean, like the thing about LA, it felt like dry and dirty and at least like Boston does. I mean, when I, I haven't, I don't actually spend that much time in Boston now, but like I've gone a few times since being in Rhode Island all year. Mm -hmm. It just at least doesn't feel like dirty in the same way. And I also do love to sweat Mm -hmm. and I feel like you obviously sweat more in the humidity. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I left the East Coast for a little moment of my life being like, maybe I'll like be a West Coast, California, and like really thought that was me for a yeah. minute. And yeah. then now I feel like I'm just like, I'm never leaving. If I live in the United States, I'm never leaving the East Coast again, which it's I don't a, know, maybe it's I mean, it, yeah, like it's a good identity check. I think everyone should do it. I think everyone yeah. should at least try to mm-hmm. do the year in New York, the year in Boston, if you're coming from California yeah. or vice versa. yeah. Because then, like, you're not going to sit at the, on the couch at 55 and be like, yeah, I, I could have been a Hollywood starlet. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, for me, I went and I know I can't be a Hollywood star. <laughs> that dream you is know crap. now, but you know. Yeah, at least I like, know. like, if I continue down this path, it is, I will gonna be, we're going to be working at California Pizza Kitchen for the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be the person on the Venice boardwalk that's making yep. some. <laughs> yeah, walking in between the pizza place, the weed yeah. store, and yeah. the what's like what a, a, a pokey place. Like it was mm-hmm. like pretty much, and then the next one, and then yep. <laughs> I will be fifty and still have pink hair, which is <laughs> you don't want to be the fifty-year-old with pink hair. <laughs> or you do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? It all just depends. I feel like the more like successful you are the weirder Mm. you can like aesthetically present yourself to the world and it come off as like a power move yeah but if you are like unsuccessful and like come walking around with like vibrantly colored hair then it then it's kind of like ooh, is she okay which I feel like recently because I don't know it, it one thing that was really nice about being in LA and seeing my friends who like come from the comedy world and like do stand up and our performers mm-hmm. like it was so nice to go and then be like congrats like on because the whole social media stuff only started like 10 months ago right and I feel like here and in Rhode Island I'm always having to kind of like people are like so what are you up to and like I'm always having to like explain it to yeah, people especially impossible. like older yeah yeah and it's like I'm a content creator I'm like an online personality and I feel like I'm always kind of like trying to downplay it but also legitimatize it and be like it is my job mm-hmm. and it was it was nice for like the one really nice thing about LA was like going there and people like just understanding it and like me not having to like I don't know, dissect it for them. Yeah, bring out an Excel spreadsheet. Here's my yeah. finances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. I always find myself like talking about the money I'm making with people here. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am that's I talking new, about that's New England? Like I found that out freshman year of college. It was like, what does your dad do for a living? And I was like, excuse me? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, nice to meet you. I'm Jared. Great to meet you too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, but for me, it's like, I feel like coming out of a place of insecurity where I'm like, people must think that I'm just like squatting in my parents' house, <laughs> not doing Jack, like diddly squat. Right. Squat, squat. And I'm like, no, I'm actually like doing stuff. It just is weird. Okay. <laughs> and one of the things that you need to be doing, and we talked about this before mm-hmm. we hit record was why the heck do you not have a podcast yet? 
Oh yes. Let's talk about podcasting. Well, I want to have one. And actually I, as I'm like thinking about my move to Boston, so are you recording in a studio space right now? <laughs> this is my bedroom. You're way too is nice. It? Come on. <laughs> I blurred out the screen so you don't see my unmade bed. Cause I know you have oh. a thing with making your bed in the morning too. So I didn't want to like get, you know, you'd be like, I'm not talking to this kid cause he didn't make his bed this morning. <laughs> Well, you got to make your, I mean, for me, it's totally a catalyst for the rest of the day, but we oh, can go sure. into that. I know it. I know it. Yeah. yeah. Now this, this interview is going to go so bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't accomplish the first task. You just, nope. this podcast is, you know, it's destined downhill, for failure. <laughs> downhill. Downhill. No, but I, I kind of love to, to like, I, I'm not in a studio, but it is, it makes this so much easier. Like I, like we talked about this off camera, like mm-hmm. I have a guest every single week and I definitely could not do that with the studio like I just with my social following it's not like I can slide into everybody's dms and then be like oh yeah yeah yeah, I'll be out in Boston next week for you it's yeah. like hey do you have an hour to sit at your house and hop on a zoom link to so that we can have this awesome conversation so that yeah. is kind of nice to have zoom but like I would like there's nothing better than having like a in-person interaction for a podcast especially is your only mode of recording this a zoom recording like or do you also have like some other because for me I'm like intimidated by a little bit of the like behind the scenes technology but are you just literally recording the zoom call yeah and then like to to that point like there are like you see some podcasts and like there are some people that have the multi-camera angles and stuff Mm -hmm. but like it's just it's really like how you want this to be published like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna cut these clips and then put them on Instagram like it's still gonna look like a professionally done it is a professionally done podcast like I'm you know but like it's it doesn't have to be this big production especially if you're doing a weekly episode especially if you're like and this isn't my full-time job so like that's Mm -hmm. the thing too like you have to like kind of take time to make time, I guess. Really? Yeah. So are, have you ever had an in-person guest? No, not yet. Okay. But do you even have the setup that would allow that? So there are, there are studios in Boston that we could do that. Like you just have to rent it out. But like, for me, I'm not technically savaged enough to like, be like, yeah, okay, this goes into this thing. And then this goes into that thing. And I know how to do a multi, Mm -hmm. like, you know, that way, like I just knew, I know how to, I know how to man a zoom link so I can do this, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't have to have like the same professional mic on the back end too. like the sound quality is just as good here too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll just do it. I feel like, I mean, uh, well, the other thing is like, so how do you pitch your, like, what is, I should probably know this since I'm on your podcast, but like, what is, is your pitch just like talking to cool people every week or like, are you, cause like I was on a podcast last week where it's like, they basically talk about cults and uh-huh. yeah, like, I saw were, this. okay. Yeah. So, and I was on it because they were asking about the cult of marathon runners, mm-hmm. but is this, so for me, I feel like my podcast would be like just chatting with cool people, but I was telling that to someone. So you want to be a like, direct competitor to me? No, that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I do. Okay. Yeah. Just wash <laughs> but I'll my have you can be a guest on mine. Okay. So it's kind of, fair. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> no, my pitch it's so interesting. Like people are always asking me like, how do you get the guests on the show? Like mm-hmm. my main pitch is like, I like the title of the podcast. I'm just a normal guy with a lazy eye, mm-hmm. but like I can still chat with someone who has 1.5 million social media followers. Mm-hmm. We can still resonate. Like, like I think society and I'm not to knock you or anything, but society has put people on a pedestal that mm-hmm. have a certain social media well, following. I'm on my pedestal. I'm just kidding. No, please don't get off it either. Like, no, I I'm, don't push me off my pedestal. No, I'm not. I'm not. You earned it. You definitely earned it. But then no, it's no, like, I'm joking. I did no, not. But like my friends will be like, how did you land, you know, Lydia Keating? Like she's crazy big. And I was like, I emailed her. 
you know, like, and, and, and like, yeah. we have this great conversation and like, we're finding the things that we resonate with. And like, we can still chat about that. But like, at the end of the day, I'm just a normal guy with a lazy eye. And you talked about like being aesthetically pleasing and like having yeah. to rock it. Like that yeah. has been my thing forever yeah. was like, this ain't, this ain't changing. Okay. Like yeah. this is yeah. not like my eye is not changing. Yeah, yeah. So like just rock with it and tell yeah. the better joke when someone tries to make fun of it. You're right. Yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, I actually didn't notice your lazy eye in the zoom at all. So I mean, like this guy's lying about his podcast. Yeah. I'm like, he doesn't have a lazy eye. (laughs) It looks like I'm looking at like all the questions that I wrote down, which I definitely am too. (laughs) Well, I love that you're prepared. I also will say I'm already very impressed with how knowledgeable you are about me, which I think is the mark of a really good podcaster and like a really good interviewer. I like not to shoot anyone down, but I was on a podcast once and um, the interviewer was like asking me about like, like where I went to college. And I'm kind of like, that's like the most accessible yep. piece of information. Like you, all you have to do is Google my name, like anyone, not just me. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. saying like literally any person you can figure out where they went to college right? Um, by a quick Google search. And so, yeah. and, and once, once you like see a hole in someone's like, you're like, okay, I don't know. It, not, I, I don't. I hear you. That's mm-hmm. the biggest fear in my podcasting career is to be on a podcast with someone and like sitting here in deafening silence, mm. like not knowing well, what to talk about. Just so you know, I have uh, severe social anxiety, so I will never let that happen. I'll just keep blah blah blah. <laughs> Which is why you're perfect for podcasting. Everyone's like, everyone at the end of every episode, like a guest, like we'll hit pause recording. We'll shoot this, you know, we'll we'll talk afterwards. And they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry if I was long-winded. I was like, that's why this is long form content. Like this isn't a TikTok. I don't only have 60 seconds to tell the story. So let's talk about it, you know? So, (laughs) but I mean, all right. I guess like talking about where you went to college, let's just, let's change this topic real quick. I like, I want to get into running. We'll definitely talk about that. But I don't want to do a disservice to you as a Yale D1 crew member. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> see, like, I see that. Was, like, he I, knows. I, what's that? I said, he knows. I know. He did his research. I know. Oh, wait, just wait. So growing <laughs> up in Brookline, Massachusetts and attending Brookline High School, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's very much like a high school that a lot of people do crew. Because to me, from coming from the West Coast, mm-hmm. crew was a sport that you did like right after graduating high school to try and get your foot in the door as an athlete into college. Oh, that's so fascinating. So it's like people who didn't get into college. Like when they a applied. lot of swimmers did crew. Yeah. Well, that's swimmers right. are very good at right. it's the shoulders. throwing. Yeah. yeah. And you just like, you know, pain in a very intimate way. I like have been watching the swimming Olympics and I'm like, damn, these people just like to be underwater and be <laughs> so out of breath at the same time and like have so much lactic acid in your body. Like it, that's like, is there anything more cruel? And then they're like, I don't know. They're also studly. I'm like, it's, I'm like, have a new affection for swimming after watching the 2021 Olympics. A lot of people do. And we only get four years, every four years to talk about it. So I know it is interesting how swimming is like, it definitely one of, I feel like the more popular spectator sports with the Olympic games, but yes. then like truly falls off the map oh at, like once the olympics are over yeah the map doesn't exist after, yeah. after the summer yeah yeah like katie yeah. ledecky is like fully a star right now and i'm like oh my god her because like it lasts you remember from right days. you remember from rio and like i yeah the only yeah the only ones that can like break that barrier right now to me are phelps ledecky and caleb dressel Mm, well so Caleb Dressel I literally just found out about him yeah um yeah. Michael Phelps who's that no I'm just kidding oh my God. <laughs> um, 
but he's been like a, a commentator for yeah. the um olympics and i find him i hope michael sorry i hope he's well, a big fan of the podcast so be careful with what you Is say he? Oh, okay no, I, no. Just find him, <laughs> I find him slightly irritating but i know i'm gonna get canceled for that so that's all that's all i have to say is, on it, that. is it because of the broadcasting right now is that what you find irritating yeah yeah okay it's so only- it's totally it has to do with the fact that he's he knows everything there is about this sport uh-huh. and as a lay person that is just watching the sport yeah. you're like dude I don't need to know all the details of every stroke and every breath that this athlete takes I just yeah. want to see them touch the ball first I get that yeah like, that's why yeah. I always like I I like we could we could do a whole nother episode on on mm-hmm. the swimming olympics right now if you wanted to mm-hmm. but I don't want to do that because okay. I, we don't have that type of time like that's why I think people are kind of annoyed with Phelps right now is like he's like getting so detail oriented yeah I didn't yeah yeah he also I don't know I mean actually maybe I'm just jealous of him because he's so I I don't even know where the roots of my annoyance come from (laughs) but okay yes I respect swimmers a lot of swimmers become rowers because they're very they're just strong and they have like huge um they have great cardio yeah um yeah and rowing I would say is definitely a good east coast or like if there's the, it's an east coast sport yeah. but norcal like the yeah. some of the best rowing well, yeah yeah berkeley teams. stanford right yeah but i'm talking about high school level oh, wow, okay. uh yeah like oakland strokes marin they were like dominant um in when we would like go to youth nationals and stuff um which i attribute a lot to them being able to be on the water year round like That's as true. you know yeah. the charles freezes so you have to be indoors um for a lot of the year Mm-hmm. but um yeah uh rowing I but I actually didn't you said Brookline High School is a big rowing school and it actually weirdly is even though usually most public high schools don't have rowing teams because it's just so expensive right. but Brookline has a rowing team and not only that a very successful rowing team but I actually never rode for Brookline I rode at the club CRI which is like basically on the border of Brighton and Watertown yeah 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 Yeah. you know it the boathouse no I don't but I know the border of of, Uh, of Watertown you know that border (laughs) yeah yeah oh yeah (laughs) you're familiar with the border (laughs) always yeah yeah yeah. I know every little town sign that I see in in Boston yeah yeah yeah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah but so going off that like Mm-hmm. As a D1 athlete, like, we'll just kind of jump to it. Like, you have crew, you mm-hmm. have an Ivy League academic schedule. Mm-hmm. How did you find the time and and even, like, the energy to think about doing other stuff, like content creating, like the comedy that you were doing? Like, what, like, what, because I, I heard you on another show talk about mm-hmm. when it was about, like, when it was hanging out with the team, it was like, you had to be with the team all the mm-hmm. time thinking about the team with the team doing what they were doing how did you find this time to do the things that Lydia wanted to do oh I didn't I I really feel like that's like when I think about my call I wish I could do four years at Yale again because I feel like I was so singular in in my like what I was doing with my college career and you know I think there is something to be said about dedicating yourself to one thing and one thing only and Mm -hmm. just fully giving yourself to that um to that passion or craft or whatever it may be I wouldn't say I was necessarily passionate passionate about rowing honestly like I feel like I had lost my zest for it by my sophomore year but I was like very much committed to doing all four years and like then and I also really wanted to win like I would we were 
the yellow women's rowing team when I was there we were pretty good in the Ivy League like it was basically like Princeton and Brown were our main competitors and we were like the top three and um sometimes like you know Brown and they were pretty dominant I would say like when we beat them we were like yeah but like (laughs) if they if they beat us we were like okay they're pretty good so (laughs) like I would say we were like pretty comfortably second or third in the Ivy League um for all four years that I was there and then in the Ivy League's pretty good in in the NCA for women's rowing in the NCA yeah so but but that's changing a lot because these like big schools with a ton of money like Ohio State and Texas and Cal they can just like recruit these like incredible European and foreign athletes Mm -hmm. um who like you know, well, I, I don't want to speak poorly, but like maybe can't speak the best English and stuff like, like, you know, they, they just have a lot of money to throw at these yeah. rowing programs. Sure. I would say the Ivy League's losing dominance in the rowing world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really wanted, there was like, we were close enough where it was like that possibility of winning a national championship was not like insane. Like there right. was, there were years where it's like, we were like, pretty competitive and like we were up there and we could have made it to the a final of the ncas and then once once you're in the a final of anything any race, can happen. exactly you yeah. know as an athlete anything can happen yeah so I, I just always felt like okay if i'm gonna do this and this is taking up so much time like literally mm. we're practicing twice a day all year round i'm not doing anything else i honestly don't really have any other friends beside my teammates like why not give it everything i have mm. and see if i can like win from it never did win never did make it that far in uh, literally we never won ivies and we never won ncas while i was there so was it worth it it's like dangling that that like 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 i'm just thinking of the state farm commercial like i got you a dollar and like you're like yeah is this close yeah you're like i will give everything of my college career to this program i was also just chatting to a friend about how it's just like crazy and you know I I don't necessarily have any regrets about rowing in college and I think like it definitely like shaped me to who who I am and like Mm. definitely made me like the athlete I am today which is like someone who does go on these like big runs which clearly have like paid off for me in like a weird way as like an internet personality but um it, it is interesting I don't know if your coach did this like like selling this idea that um like in doing the sport, you're, you're learning how to be a good person. Like you're learning how to be like a hard worker. You're learning how to do all these, like be a, an ethical person. And it's like, that doesn't actually make any, the hard worker. Okay. Maybe yes. But like my coach was, would always give us these like really like intense speeches about how, like when we're rowing, we're not actually learn Like, it's not about the sport. It's about being good people. And it's like, that jump doesn't make any sense. And like, but I would like, buy into it. Right. Like you buy into it because he's, he's down your throat saying that. Yeah. But like, you can be a good person and not row. Like, yeah. And, and what, plenty of what, my teammates, right you know, I, like pl- I'm plenty of rowers. were not good people. Like it, right. the sport had nothing to do with like your moral ethics. <laughs> right. I think the, the, like, to your point of like, I, I, I was to the like type of swimmer that like, I, I knew I was going to commit to this for four years. I mm-hmm. also like, I, I did, I committed so much time to this sport that it was mm-hmm. almost like, what's three more years, what's two more years, mm-hmm. what's one more year. That's where I was at. Like, but I kept like 
really wanted because I really wanted to make an A final with the Big East. Like that was my big mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And it never happened. Like my junior year, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be close, got mono. I, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get it my senior year. I was like, you know, training like nobody's business. I came back from having mono. I ran a half marathon like two months after my diagnosis of mono. Like shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But I like, I was like senior year. I'm like this, I have a final chance. I'm going to go out and, and make an A final. And then I get, I get a slap tear in my shoulder two oh, weeks no. before the big east so mm-hmm. i was just like all right well like i'm gonna finish big east and like this is gonna be the end of my swimming career and i guess this is a perfect lead into the next question like mm-hmm. i finished my last mile mm-hmm. my last race and i touched the wall and i was like happy i'm like you know what like obviously didn't go to the time i wanted but like that that was irrelevant at that point by the time i got to the meet mm-hmm. but i touched the wall i get out i'm happy and then i start making my way back over to the pool or to the teammates and i like start bawling my, cause my whole identity from when I was 10 to now when I was 21 mm-hmm. is done. Mm. And like, I had a job out of college. Like I wasn't like left being like, I don't know what to do with my life, but I just like the, that Jared died in that pool that day, you know? Yeah. Like, so I like, to your point of like that soul identity, it's your soul identity. Like when you finished rowing, did you feel like you're like, where do I, like, what's this new path that I have to, that I, you know, that I ultimately need to go on? Um, so I did not feel like sad at all on my Mm. last race. I mean, that probably was a little bit because like, it's a little bit in the nitty gritty of it, but like I, our line, I was in the second varsity. So I wasn't in the best bow. I was in the two B and like our like line, I don't know. I was like disappointed with the way the, I was just disappointed with how the racing turned out and we didn't make it to the A final. So like for me, maybe like the saddest part of like my final rowing days was like the actually like the second or third to last race when we like had to go to reps. I don't even remember, but Mm. the last race I was, woo, I am out of here. Like I am done with this. Right. Um, but I think I maybe had, like, I think I was still reacting really strongly, even though I like my response of like, I am done with this identity. I am done with crew. Like it Mm. is, I am no longer a rower was Mm. almost like that was just as like dramatic as being like, who am I after Mm. this? Because in rejecting like my athlete identity so much, I think like down the road, I had to like I got, I was a little lost because I, and I've talked about this on, I think I talked about it on, I maybe Emma's podcast that you mentioned, you listened to about how, and like my last rowing stroke, I'm like, I'm never working out again. I hate working yeah. out. I've been getting, we'll get to, to that. Yeah. 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 For 10 years. Like I'm so ready to just like be a normal person and relax. But then like, you know, working out for me is so much about maintaining a good mental health space and just feeling physically good and feeling strong. And I think like a month and a half after not working out at all, I was like, okay, this isn't quite who I want to be. So, and then uh, honestly, I feel like I spent two years trying to be like, okay, how much of working out do I want to be part of my life? Do I want it to be like three days a week? Do I want it to be every day? And it was right, hard for you me. only knew it as twice a day, five, six times a day, you know, six days a week. Exactly. And, and it's hard, like being an athlete, but not being a competitive, like, and not being like the best athlete. Like yeah, I was so yeah. used to training to be the best. And yeah. now it's like training just to train, like that didn't make any sense, but I, and I've talked about this with my friends before, just understanding, like 
my day, I have a bad day if I don't work out, which is like extreme. Oh my God. I like literally I'll sit at the dinner table. If I didn't work out, I'd be like, I'm not Mm -hmm. touching this food. Yeah. It's like, it fucks with you. If, if, and I think I'm like, I'm not even sure that potentially that's not a healthy thing. And maybe I should go to therapy and like talk to someone yeah, about we, it. Yeah, but we could, yeah, we should probably think about that. We should. Yeah, we, we definitely, after this call, like Google therapists near Rhode Island. Um, like, but, this is really eye-opening, this whole yeah. conversation. I'm really finding a lot about myself. Yeah, but I've, I've, I've like had this like inner dialogue before. And it's just mm. like, no, I'm fine being a person who like working out every day is just a non-negotiable and like, um, that just like comes before like getting my workout in just comes before so many other things. And like, I'm fine with that. Like, cause for me, a workout can be 30 minutes. Like it doesn't have to be a big, like a big thing anymore, especially now that I do running and running is so minimalist and wonderful in the sense that all you need are your sneakers. And you can just like step out the door, your run starts 30 minutes later, it's over and you can go about your day. So I'm happy with where I am with working out now. Yeah, it took me a while to like, I, I was definitely not uh, one month in, I think I got to like, I graduated in May of 2019, I probably didn't work out until like, January. Yeah, okay. So I took like the whole summer off, I like would like go to the gym and like pretend to like do a couple bench presses and like, do a 30 minute lift, but like, I didn't do any cardio. And like, that was my whole life was cardio with swimming. Right. So yeah. and then like, the pandemic hits mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, you need, like internally, dude, you need, <laughs> there's a California in me, right? Bro, get up, get off the couch and, and start and like do something and like pools weren't open. And I didn't really even want to touch a pool. In the yeah. pandemic. So yeah, yeah, I just started running and I'll never forget. Like I did like four, mi- like three or four miles, like my first time. And like, mm-hmm. then like took a day off. Then the next day I did like three or four miles. And then like that, then Sunday rolled around. Like everyone does their long runs on Sunday. Yeah. So I just go out for an eight mile run. Oh and my like, God. I felt, I felt like, you know, but like, you know, you, obviously, you know, like the runner's high, you just like mm-hmm. keep going. Like, I, I don't have to turn around yet. I can keep mm-hmm. going like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then I get home and like the next morning, I like definitely had shin splints. And I was like, all right, next time we start this, like we're going to little pace it out a little bit better. Like don't just try and run the half marathon tomorrow. Like relax. Yeah. But that is impressive because like people like running when I take big breaks from running because I've gone through like this past the past 12 months of like getting really into running like Mm -hmm. I've it hasn't been the first time I've ran before like Right. right I ran a marathon like my first marathon I think was three months after I had finished rowing I've gone through phases where into it before it just had been like very up and down and now I feel like I'm kind of like in a very nice like stable place with running but Mm -hmm. when I take these big breaks off and then get back into it like I really understand why people who never run before when they try and go for a run they're like this is death right this is the worst because it's like you're it just doesn't your body is like what are you doing like no 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 no. like you're like hot and I feel honestly, it's like every part of it, it's painful. And like, you're like sore, but also I think my body, when I don't run for a while, it's like, wait, sweating. And it doesn't sweat as quickly. Like when I'm in really good shape, I start sweating really quickly and it's great because it's pulling my body down, but yeah. But just your point about shin splints, one of the comments I get on truly every single running TikTok I post, which is like every other TikTok is, what what bestie what should I do about my shin splints and I'm like I'm like bestie I've never had shin splints what do shin splints feel like oh like like uh like your leg has snapped in half and you're walking on like like your leg is like that broken wooden plank I don't like something like that like it just 
it just feels like uh it's like it feels like you're bone on bone it's not mm. great I mean how do I get rid of them it was pretty easy like you to your point like you can't just mm-hmm. like run seven miles tomorrow like mm-hmm. for me it was like okay now I need to like learn how to start stretching after every mm-hmm. run or like it like yeah. that stuff too but yeah shin splints are not fun for sure I had yeah. IT band issues too in January like so in, like in in uh in December of 2020 I was like all right 2021 I'm running a thousand miles mm. that, like I finished at wow. like 600 yeah I finished at 600 in 2020 uh because I started in March and I was like okay that's the goal like thousand yeah. miles and that's an like interesting like in very cool way to look at your running goal because I think a lot of people are like oh I want to hit this weekly mileage but they don't look at it as like cumulative yeah. over the course of the year so I've never heard of that before. yeah like, I don't cool. know I literally was like sitting at my parents house in Utah after yeah. Christmas and I was like what's like what's my new year's resolution and I was like, All right, I'm gonna do that so and in the process like I I'm definitely gonna beat it now that I'm training for this marathon so now it's like like I want to run the marathon in 345 and stuff like that this is like the athlete back in me like saying like don't just run to run like have a goal in mind like do something like don't train to train like I was finding myself being like it's all fun to go out on these runs but like why am I doing it like give me a reason to do it you know so that's like that's been the goal but yeah the IT band in in January I was like oh my god I can barely walk Yeah. So, so I actually, I'm never like, I wasn't super certain what my issue was, but I had from Google searches been like, it's IT Google band. searches and DMing a couple of my Providence runners too, that were like, yeah. oh, you definitely have IT band problems. Was it, so my pain was in my hip. Yep. Where, okay. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's literally like your, that. your hip all the way down. Like, all, like, it's like, that's yeah. that whole band. And yeah. I'll never forget. Like I was, I was on a run in January. It was 10 degrees out. Like mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have been running outside, but I didn't have a gym membership at the time because mm-hmm. gyms were closed. Still in January mm-hmm. of 2021. And um, I I was like tur- turning the final corner with a mile left and doing like six miles. And I had to stop mm-hmm. at a stoplight and I was in Medford. And I remember like waiting for this stoplight. It finally turns green for me to go across. And I literally mm-hmm. couldn't walk. Like I was fine at 5.9 miles. And then like, I literally couldn't walk. And I had to have Eve come get me. My girlfriend come get me to pick me up. I literally couldn't walk back to her house for a mile. Oh no. Isn't that the most like demoralizing thing? Like whether it be for, like I have a few times given my boyfriend or my brother a call and been like, can you come pick me up? They're like, well, how far are you? And like eight miles. They're like, you were going to do 16 miles. And now you're like, you're like oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the saddest thing when you're like it, it cause it's just like true giving up. Like you're yeah. not even oh, yeah. willing to walk home. I mean, if you're eight miles out, I've called like my brother to pick me up when I'm like four miles out and I'm like, I can't yeah <laughs> like just so dramatic if they're like cool send your location like i don't even know if i have cell service i'm in the middle yeah. of the field <laughs> yeah i yeah i there was like one time where i when i think actually this was like in the beginning of my like tiktok running journey where mm. like i had seen this girl post this tiktok that i was really inspired by where she's like coming home from work gonna run a half marathon and she's like, just got to take my mascara out. And there was something about like the nonchalance of like the way she was approaching running a half marathon that was like so appealing. And I, that's what I think, like, I think running can be such an intimidating sport for people who are, don't do it because like the, the visibility of running and what we see of it is like really intense, super yeah. skinny people, like oh, yeah. in like little spandex, like going out with their, like all their, you know, gear and shit like that. And I think 
there, we don't see a lot of running in the casual way that you can, you can run long distances and it not be this like massive deal. Like you can just do it for the fun of it. Even though I know some people are like running will never be fun for me, but like you can do it in a way that's not like turbo beast intense. Right. And that's like, I like, you know, I also have the instinct, I think from like my past as an athlete to have goals and be like, okay, I want to do this marathon at like an 808 pace or whatever it may be. But like, um, and I think you can still have those goals, but also be casual with your approach and like it not be this, like, I don't know, crazy intense, like going to the point of like, is running a cult. I think it so easily can be, but, um, you just have to like be wary of it. But I have a question for you. How do you, um, like, so clearly you were running in the dead of winter, which I was too. And whenever I was running in winter, I'm like, I'm so tough. Like, (laughs) oh my God. My, my Southern California parents were like, oh my God, how do you do that? I'm like, yeah, I'm built differently. Yeah. Yeah. Like I am braving the elements and I am just doing what no one else does. You get thicker skin when you live out here, parents, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I also had the thought of like, come summertime, I'm going to be like, I was, I literally had this vision of myself of like, I'm going to be six pack abs, yeah. <laughs> so tan, running easy 730 miles, just yeah, yeah, yeah. crushing life. Yeah. And literally the summer has come around and I feel like I've been running my lowest mileage. Mm. I am so unmotivated to run and I mm. attribute it all, and I don't have a six pack, and I attribute it all to the heat. And I find the heat actually like I would, I have realized about myself. I would a thousand percent take a 10 degree January day over Mm. a 90 degree or like humid day in the middle of new England summer. But what has your experience been? Yeah, I I would, I would piggyback off that last statement. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to, if you want to run in the summer, like you have to know that it's either going to be a late night run, like a, like a nine o'clock sun is already down type of run or an early morning and like for me having done the early mornings forever like I can't do it like I can but I don't want to do it anymore I -hmm. still will like every once in a while but it's not like my first choice Mm -hmm. I I do but I also do there is something about like sweating more in the summer back to like your point of like loving to sweat like I do like that Mm -hmm. in the winter like you just feel the sweat like dry to your face immediately like it's Mm -hmm. I don't know but like I I, I do kind of have the same, same position. I'm like, I do like running more in like the fall and winter versus like spring and summer. I do think this summer hasn't been absolutely beautiful either. Like July here in new England or in Massachusetts specifically, absolute garbage. I've been running on more treadmills this summer than I thought I like, cause to your point, like, I'd be like, I was like, yep, I'll do every long run is going to be like at least half marathon, like stuff like that. Now I'm like, I have to, I no way am I going to do a half marathon on a treadmill. Like just yeah. not going to do it. What, what, what gym do you belong to? Um, Planet Fitness here in Medford. <laughs> oh, nice. I thought you were about to drop a fancy gym on me. Cause the one time. No, right? no. Yeah. There's, there are a few equi- There's like two equinoxes. There's like, Boston, there's right? no, there's, there's one in, in Boston and like yeah. Framingham, if you want to call that Boston, but like, oh, yeah, it's, it's on Beacon street. And it's like, even it's like in more towards like Newton, like kind of like where you grew up. Yeah. Yeah. I, Equinox is so not worth it. I could trash Equinox for days, but. Oh, no, I'm not thinking of Equinox. Sorry. Uh, lifetime, but it's basically the same thing. That's there's oh, one lifetime. Posted. Yeah. Cause I was like, cause you're, you're like, no, you're lying. I'm like, I don't think that's true, but I'm not going to say anything. Like, he definitely <laughs> doesn't live in Boston. He's just lying. 
yeah there is an equinox but it's like um it's like kind of near faneuil hall I yeah, think. yeah 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 um but yeah i i used to be like a diehard treadmill like gal um because okay, i i attribute our okayness to go on a treadmill to our like boring sports by boring, I mean like we do the same thing. I, I stared at a black line my entire career. Mm-hmm. I can I can stare at myself in the mirror of a treadmill, or like you, it's like I'm rowing the same. Like I'm going the same place everyone else, and this especially in the winter, I'm indoors doing the same thing. Yes, yeah. yes, staring at a screen that's giving me direct feedback about how fast I'm going yeah. and the time elapsed is what I'm so used to. I would say. And, and that actually was like, I was more comfortable running on a treadmill than I was running outside because like, that was where I like that, that was just how I knew, you know, your speed, you know, like where your limits lie. Like, yeah, I was the same way. Yeah. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I mean, the beginning of the pandemic was a sad sight for me. Like I like gained a lot of weight and I like, which not to like, you know, sometimes gaining weight isn't a bad thing, but like it wasn't, it wasn't positive weight gain. I will say it was sad, depression. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, wasn't working out like weirdly. I, I thought about, I feel, feel like I didn't, I wasn't like totally sedentary, but I just like, I wasn't moving my body a lot. Like I'd mm-hmm. go on bike rides, which for some reason, like wasn't doing it for me. And I think I was just also eating a lot. But then when I got to Rhode Island, so I got here like May of 2020, mm-hmm. I had to move back in with my parents because I lost my job and um, my roommates moved out of our house in Cal- in Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like, okay, I need to turn my life around. Like, <laughs> this is sad. I And also I think like, there's something specific about being in your hometown and like people not having not seen people for a long time and then being like, how are you? And if you like physically know you don't look good. Yeah. Like, cause I've been on the other judgy side of that where I like, I've seen, I see someone who I haven't seen in years and they like, they just don't look like they're mm-hmm. thriving for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. And like, I pass subconscious judgment. Like, I'm not trying to, like, I don't want to be like, mean but it's just like you know you make assumptions about like someone's and I'm like I know when people see me right now that I just must look like a little bit worn down a little bit you know life took it out of me the pandemic took it out of me so getting back into running was like totally like the thing and for me it was just okay there's a a three mile loop near my house it's stunning obsessed with it and it was just like do that every day whether it means walking whether it means half run half walk or like running the whole thing Mm -hmm. and, um, and just start and just complete that. And then that obvious, like once I got comfortable with that, I got more excited about going further. And then, and then the weekend long runs came around and that's Mm -hmm. where I feel like I really like took a step up in my mileage and stuff. Absolutely. And now you're coming to Boston at the end of next month and to get your master's at BU in master's in fine arts, right? Yeah, master's in fine arts, creative That's writing, research, baby. Woo! All yeah, right. uh, yeah, it is. It's showing. Um, but now that you're coming out to Boston, kind of going back to your point on like, like people see people view running as like we have to be like these top tier athletes, and I've had running athletes on this show, and they are some of the best aesthetically pleasing looking athletes. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't just sticks. Like, yeah, the marathon runners are yeah. are kind of you know small, but like, you know. I think Boston will help open your view of like 
the casual runner because when mm. you if you start doing runs on the esplanade like it oh, nothing grinds my gears more than like when someone just blows by me on the esplanade mm. i'm like this this guy yeah is clearly tra- like it's and they're always wearing like harvard cross-country t-shirts oh. i mean i'm like god dang it you know like i but that must make you feel better it's like this person I've been no having- no because they're just i mean it's like <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm like chugging along at my eight minute you know eight minute mile pace and i think that's like whoa look at this guy and i'm like yeah. <laughs> it's not because they're going like 640 and they usually have like a gang with them and they all have their like uh pit vipers on and they just like oh. they're so like so just I don't know just like it all meshes together <laughs> yeah I think I once I have that experience I think I'll be able to really empathize with the pain of that but uh, yeah I feel like you're crushing it whatever like these uh, there's always gonna be someone faster than you I yeah that that is true that is true Unless you're like Hussein Bolt <laughs> I know. I, all right. So then, like, what's the next running goal for you then? The next running goal, dare I say it out loud because oh, my training, you heard it here first on this podcast. Yeah, you have. My training has not been going great, but I'm running the Newport Marathon on October 11th. And then joining so. me on the 31st in Falmouth. I really want to. I actually, as soon as we get off this, I'm going to look that up. Um, but I would really love to run a sub eight minute mile marathon. Um, the fastest marathon I've done was the New York city marathon, which was an eight Oh eight minute mile, which far, like I, like I, un, it, that was way faster than any training run I had ever done. And mm. I attribute that entirely to the adrenaline that is just constantly like pulsing through your body when you're running yeah. in- marathon yeah I, by the way the new york city th- marathon was my third marathon but my only my first road race so i never had the experience of or my first road marathon which yeah. like new york specifically is unreal it was like the perfect day too and like the, it, there's just people cheering you on the whole time and it's mm. it's on it was one of the best days of my life it was literally, literally unbelievable but i went way faster than i ever thought i could and i think that was because of the adrenaline We'll see what the what the crowds look like in Newport <laughs> because yeah, I'm like, really you know, like sitting from their ivory towers on uh, on Bellevue Boulevard, just like yeah. oh look at those little people go. <laughs> I I better get a woot woot from those guys. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. I love that you're talking about the New York City Marathon on, and we're talking to two New Englanders here. Like, do you want to run the Boston Marathon or what? Oh my God, a dream. I would love okay. to. Okay, because you were talking the New York City Marathon like it was like the end all be all. Like, yeah. And oh, I'm- no, no, babe. <laughs> I was like, oh, I-, I might have to cut that part out. No, I'm <laughs> no, no. Obviously, Boston Marathon is iconic. Yeah. Um, I live, when I lived in Boston, I lived on Beacon Street with my yeah, family. So you're right on the path. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched it for many years. Um, was like, very, you know, lived in Boston when the bombings happened. So very, tragic obviously Mm -hmm. but you know I feel a special tie to the Boston Marathon but it's getting harder and harder to qualify Mm. oh my god it's impossible like impossible yeah it is possible but it takes no no it's not (laughs) (laughs) I know I I do want to run it and like like sub 345 is my goal time for this uh Falmouth one and like that's Uh not even close to the qualifying time but like I gotta start somewhere so we'll see (laughs) yeah 
I think so. I actually think for women, the sub eight minute mile is qualifying time, which I think is a sub eight thirty or sorry, sub three thirty marathon time. Yeah, it's sub three for guys in my age group. It's like the eighteen to thirty four. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, so. and I think for women it's sub three thirty. Yeah. Um, but yeah but even what i've heard from talking to a friend who did qualify is even if you go sub 330 there's so many people. Yeah, yeah you don't get a guaranteed people. spot yeah so the faster you go the higher chance you get and there's just like so many fast runners out there like i know, I know. You know? but that shouldn't stop us from trying no and we're not we're not going to stop trying when you get out here we're going to start training yes. and, <laughs> and yes. i know you have to run here really soon so i do want to ask you i feel like the, like we just scratched the surface we we'll definitely have to do this again we'll do a lydia keating part two I know, but i have i have to ask this question because we ask all of our guests it mm-hmm. if you were to write your autobiography today wow. what would be the title of it and why oh my gosh this is such a tough question I know it felt like so easy talking to you. And now I'm just hitting you with the hardest question. You're hitting me with those interview questions. Um, (laughs) What would be the title? God, Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want to say any, like, I don't know. Like, um, oh, don't be the girl in pink hair at 50. Yeah, pink hair and 50. <laughs> that will be that I something. Yeah, pink hair and 50. No, um, actually it would be pink hair, sardines, and a good time. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, why though? Why so why the sardines? I, I can think of the pink hair and the good times, but why the sardines? Well, sardines are a power food. It's yes. my it's I love sardines. Um, I eat them regularly. People they they're highly they're a polarizing food. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I'm a little bit like it's a little I'm just thinking about my the title of my autobiography. I want it to be clickbait. I feel like people love and hate sardines, so they're gonna click on my title either way. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think sardines are like a wonderful food group and I would write about them in my autobiography is one of the foods I recommend. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Lydia, this has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate you coming on. I know you have to run here soon, but it, it's just been amazing catching up with you and getting to meet you finally. And hopefully like when you're out here in Boston, we'll have to link up and do, we'll do a run on the Charles for old time's sake, but I have one that you, I have a route that you'll really like, I think. And uh, I would love that. I can't wait to run with you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. This is awesome. awesome. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. So a big thank you to Lydia Keating for coming on this week's show and sharing more about her story. We just barely scratched the surface there with that interview. And I know there's more to come now with her coming out to Boston, you know, we'll definitely be able to do some more stuff with Lydia. So I'm very excited for her to come out here. I'm very excited for what's next for Lydia too. She's got so much going on and I know it's only going to go up from here. Be sure to go check her out on social media. I'll leave links to all things Lydia in the description of this week's podcast. If you're not following her yet, you definitely have to go do that. Some of the funniest content I've seen on TikTok recently. Uh, But that does it for this week's show. Again, a big thank you to all of you amazing listeners for continuing to show your support for this show. Without you, I I don't know where this show would be. Honestly, I don't know if we would be 52 episodes in. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. So if you have liked this year of podcasting that we've done on this show. 
Be sure to go leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend, share it with a coworker, share it with your parents. That's how we're really going to be able to grow this show. A lot of it right now is word of mouth, and I know it continues to grow that way, but if we want to continue to see some more success, we got to get some more listeners. So big thank you to you guys. I'm so thankful. Uh, be sure to go follow us on Instagram at NormalGuyLazyEye for some clips from this week's episode, some of my favorite parts of the interviews. Uh, but that does it. I will see you all next Wednesday.